You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most urgent topics in the never dull world of Indiana basketball. This is our 128th edition of Assembly Call Radio and is our 520th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, June 27th, 2019. I'm your host, Andy Bottoms. Jared has the night off. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call. And that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner Moment. And this week's Banner Moment relates to basically... The biggest and some might argue the only piece of IU news this week, which is an opening on the coaching staff following the departure of Ed Schilling. Now, in no way is this a celebration of Schilling leaving, as we certainly wish him all the best wherever he ends up next. But it does represent a really big opportunity for Archie Miller to make the first change to his coaching staff since arriving in Bloomington. We don't even need to look outside of the Big Ten to find an example of just how impactful a new assistant coach can be. Michigan's edition of Luke Yaklich whose name I always butcher, helped a team that had a proven offensive track record improve tremendously on the defensive end, culminating in a two-year stretch that saw Michigan go a combined 28-10 and 10 in the Big Ten, win a Big Ten tournament title, advance to one Sweet 16, and earn an appearance in the national title game in the other. There are no shortage of suggestions on the wish list of IU fans, which we'll discuss a bit more in a few minutes. And whether Archie can find the offensive version of Yaklich remains to be seen, but it does represent a chance to infuse the program with new energy, new knowledge, and potentially a new approach. And if all goes well, that may be a turning point we look back on down the line if IU is, in fact, able to hang another banner. With that, let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show. To my right, he is our longtime student intern, a native of Chicago, and a young man who knows more about Northwestern basketball than any human ever should. He is Michael Dugan. Michael, it's great to have you back on the show. What are your thoughts on the last week in IU basketball? That is not the first time I've heard that. But no, yeah, good to be back. Um, I think first and foremost, you've got to talk about the Ed Schilling thing. And I think the first thing that jumped out to me was the timing. Andy, we were talking about this. We'll talk about it again. Uh, the timing is, is it's interesting. It's not often you see this in the last week of June, you know, pretty much halfway through the offseason. Uh, it, it, it seems a little random to me. And obviously there was – you know, some reason for it that we don't know something behind the scenes, but I completely agree with everything you said. And, and we have to look at this moving forward. It's a big opportunity for Archie to nail this. Uh, there's a pretty glaring hole in terms of what the roster looks like right now, who produced where last season going into this upcoming season on, on one side of the ball. And I think that this presents Archie with an opportunity to go get somebody who can help the team out on the offensive side of the ball. I, maybe not a full innovator, but someone who can help these guards maybe create more shots off the dribble, uh, someone who can help with free throw shooting. Uh, there are a number of things they can work on specifically on the offensive side of the ball, but I think above everything else, above being an Indiana guy, for example, I think they need to go after somebody who, who's got some experience in improving, finely tuning, and reworking offenses a little bit. I think that's the most important thing right now that Archie has to look at uh, in a candidate. I would agree, yes, and that will definitely be something that we'll talk about more and what the uh, what the right characteristics really are as opposed to maybe what everybody wants. But uh, with that, to my left, we've got a senior writer for the big lead coming back from a few-week hiatus from the show, proud native of San Diego, and he has already submitted his resume to be considered for the now vacant IU assistant coaching position that we uh, have spent the bulk of the show talking about so far. He is Ryan Phillips. Ryan, what's your rant this week? Or is this just like a... Uh, a, a like campaign platform scenario where you're going to use this this time to uh, extol your virtues to the uh, potential hirers for this position. Archie, call me, buddy. Um, yeah, I think it has to be the Ed Schilling thing. It has to be what we talk about, and I think that if you are looking for someone, and I think the timing you mentioned that Michael, it is odd timing, and I think that if he's making the time, if if the timing is now, I think Archie must have a pretty good idea at least a candidate or three that he knows he can get that he likes. I mean, because you don't make that move. Now you make it at the end of the season. If there's a problem, 
Um, clearly there were some scholarship offers that went out and then chilling was pushed out. And, and I don't want to say pushed out because I think that it, it, it doesn't seem like there's any uh, bad blood coming out of this. Usually we hear whispers about that. It just seems like it wasn't a fit. And, and, and I've heard a lot from people talking about, does it needs to be an IU guy? Now, look, that's always favorable. You want to get a guy who uh, has something to do with IU or, or has a connection or, or that maybe knows the program, knows the big 10, all that stuff, knows Indiana recruiting. Uh, but quite frankly, not at the expense of not getting the best guy. Uh, what they should do is go out and get the best coach to fill that position. And, and if he happens to have IU connections, great. That's awesome. But if you can get somebody who's even better, regardless of their connections, obviously you want to know somebody who knows the state. You want to get somebody who knows uh, the Big Ten, who knows you know, what life is like uh, at IU and things like that. And, and you know, or life, life is like in a big program, I would say. Um, those that would be preferable. If he has Indiana ties, fantastic. I think all of us would love if he went out and got Dane Fife. Now, Dane Fife's got a pretty great situation at Michigan State. I don't know if he's leaving anytime soon. Um, a guy like Michael Lewis, who's now at UCLA, I don't, I, you know, he's probably just moved out there and probably doesn't want to come back and, and move around. And so, I mean, those are the names that have been mentioned a little bit. Um, so I, we'll see. But what I think is going to have to happen is Archie's going to find somebody, as Michael said, who, who can help on offense. Maybe a guy who can help with shooting. Maybe a guy who can help with, uh, you know, recruiting Indiana, uh, you know, putting another foot down in, in recruiting Indiana, Louisville, uh, Ohio, you know, the region. Um, but other than that, I, I really don't have a problem with uh, letting Schilling go. And a lot, of, a lot of people are saying that he was really the Indiana connection on the staff. This staff has Indiana connections because this staff has been here now. And, and so these high school coaches all know Archie now. They all know the other guys on the staff. And so – that worry is kind of gone. Yeah. At the beginning, it really helped when he came to have Ed Schilling who knew all of the coaches in the state by now, Archie knows those guys. And by now Archie has those connections on his own. And so do the rest of the guys on the staff. So do all the, you know, uh, recruiting guys on the staff that, that are, you know, sort of below the line members, not full-time staff members, um, but like support staff guys, they're all connected now. And, and it made a lot of sense to have a guy like Schilling in the beginning, but now they've kind of built those connections themselves and they've recruited Indiana well. So I, I think that we're going to see uh, what Archie's mindset is moving forward by who he hires and, and not necessarily even who he hires, but who he goes after. And I'm sure we'll get word that he's looking at certain guys. And um, hopefully this is just something that gets resolved quickly because you are in the last week of June and pretty soon these guys are going to be on, you know, ready to start ramping up uh, for the season. So you'd like to have a guy in, you know, in town and, and, and working with the players and getting into the players before the season starts. All right. Well, here's what we're going to talk about this week. Obviously, as our all three of our intros alluded to, we're going to talk a lot about Ed Schilling's departure and what we're looking for in a potential replacement. We'll hit on a handful of recruiting news and scholarship offers that have gone out, uh, including one that may or may not have gone out. Uh, and then I want to get Ryan and Michael's thoughts on Romeo going to the Celtics since they were not with us uh, last week during our, our draft night show. Uh, and then talk a little bit about Juwan signing to play summer league with the Jazz, which we did not know uh, at the time that we recorded last week. And finally, we'll answer as many of your questions as we can get to. we got some good ones this week, as we always do, so we'll uh, try to squeeze in as many of those as we can at the end. All that coming this week on Assembly Call Radio. Do you ever feel like ticketing websites make getting to the event difficult on purpose? It's as if they're so big, they feel like they can get away with not caring about the customer experience. But not SeatGeek. SeatGeek cares desperately about the satisfaction of their customers, which is why a quick glance at the App Store shows over 50,000 five-star reviews. Why? Because SeatGeek delivers a better process for buying tickets. SeatGeek pulls together millions of tickets from all over the web, and then they rate each deal on a scale of 1 to 10. And the user interface communicates it all clearly by displaying tickets on an interactive seat map, so you can see right where they are, and by using a color-coded system for value. Green dots mean good deals, red dots are overpriced. Oh, and every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets with confidence. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone. It's by far the fastest and easiest way to find tickets. For us, uh, we're looking to go to an FC Cincinnati game here in the next couple of weeks. Definitely have already looked at SeatGeek to try to scout out what's out there. And there are a number of Cubs fans getting ready to invade my fair city of Cincinnati as the Reds and Cubs meet this weekend. So I'd encourage anybody looking for tickets there to check that out on SeatGeek as well. And best of all, SeatGeek will even give you $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All you need to do is use our promo code. So download the SeatGeek app today and use promo code ASSEMBLY for $10 off on your first purchase. That's promo code ASSEMBLY for $10 off on your first purchase. 
All right, guys. So let's talk a little bit more about the Ed Schilling uh, departure. And, and, you know, we've alluded to a lot of this, but we did get a question uh, from MGDOS79 on Twitter. With, with Schilling leaving, does IU need to hire an Indiana guy to replace him? I think this is the most common question that everybody has seen. I think it's a question that was posed when uh, the job was open that Archie Miller got and, and how important that really is. There's been a lot of debate about that. And, and really up until now, to me, it didn't make sense to have that debate because there was no change on the staff imminent. The staff was really in place. So to talk about do you need an IU guy on the staff at that point didn't really mean a whole lot. Well, um, technically, how, they do have one, Derek Elston. Well, they have Elston, but as, as far as an assistant coaching capacity. Um, so, so Michael, I'll, I'll go to you first on this. And Ryan, you you mentioned it a little bit. I mean, where on the scale of, of importance does IU guy slot in for you? Uh, I think, well, well I want to say that Ryan's points earlier were spot on. Um, these high school don't, coaches, don't tell him that. Don't encourage him. Okay, Ryan, you're completely. Love you, Mike. Love you, buddy. <laughs> um, no, Archie knows these guys, the, these high school coaches, these guys around the state. So I don't think it really matters as much now as it did when Archie came in to have a guy like Ed Schilling on the staff. Um, you know, I, I think if, if you say they need to hire an Indiana guy, that would mean that that's the most important trait that you would associate with a candidate over everything else. If they need to hire a guy that matches this and then everything else is secondary. And I don't think that's smart. I think to hire a guy, if he's an Indiana guy, but he, he can't really you know help innovate or, or help to, to improve or finally tune an offense, then he's probably not going to be much help on the offensive side of the ball. And then what do you just hang your hat on the fact that he's an Indiana guy? I, it, it's just, it'd be great. Sure. If, if he, if he can help the offense and help these guys at the free throw line and be on the arc, um, which is even a foot further back now, you know, then, and he's also an Indiana guy, then fantastic. But I just think that, this program and this team and this roster, they have bigger fish to fry than getting a guy who, who's from Indiana. I don't want to be coming down too harsh on that stance, but you know, I just think there are more important things right now than checking off that box. I, I just do. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I was listening to uh, Crimson Cast today, and they were talking about this a little bit from an Indiana player standpoint, that that was always uh, the, the you know criticism of need more Indiana guys, more guys from the state and things like that. And Galen brought up a point that I feel like I've probably made at some point on the show that if you're winning, the winning doesn't feel worse because it's not an Indiana guy. If you're winning, the winning doesn't feel worse because there's not an IU guy on the bench. It's a convenient thing to bring up when you're not. Uh, and, and it doesn't mean, you know, it doesn't mean the pendulum should swing the other way and say like, you don't like that shouldn't matter at all. Um, I do think it does matter to a lot of people. And if that breaks a tie between two guys who are pretty even, then so be it. But it doesn't need to, kind of like you said, Michael, be the, you know, it, saying that elevates that above everything else on the on the list of characteristics they need to have. So, Ryan, with that as backdrop, what do you think is the, the most important thing that a candidate needs to have um, for this team in particular, not just in general as a, an assistant coach, because there's a lot of things you might look for there, but what is this team need the most out of an assistant that they would bring up? You would like to have an offensive-minded guy or somebody who has experience in teams that have great offenses. Now, look, does that necessarily mean that's what Archie's going to go for? No. The most important thing is staff chemistry, is that he gets along with everybody else. That is, honestly, you can have above, let's say, above-average coaches, not top-level amazing coaches, but above-average coaches. If you have great staff chemistry, that can elevate a team from good to great because the team mimics the staff, the team, uh, the relationships they build. A lot of that is fostered by the staff. And if they see the staff quarreling or not getting along, they check out sometimes or they, it doesn't fit for them. Uh, it takes an extraordinary team to overcome a lack of staff chemistry. And I'm not saying that Indiana can't have an extraordinary team. I'm just saying it's, it's again, something you're fighting against if you don't have the, that kind of thing. So that's number one is how does he fit in with the other guys? These guys spend so much time together. Uh, they have to get along and they have to work well together, even more importantly than that, than, than getting along. But it is like a family. Guys are going to argue. Can they handle arguing against each other and not have that turn negative and turn ugly? They're going to fight. They're going to argue. They're going to bash heads. Can they walk away from that? Um, but yeah, I think that that certainly uh, skill development, uh, offensive, you know, mindedness. Maybe a guy who has a, a background working with shooters. Those are the most important things if I'm looking at this. And then, of course, secondary to that is 
of course, fitting in and, and being part of this, uh, this group together, you know, being filling a, a hole that might be there personality wise. And then on top of that, yeah, if it's an Indiana guy, awesome. If it's somebody who knows the region even better, um, but yeah, it, it, putting that at the top of the list is just silly. The same way it is when you're looking for a head coach, you, you hire the most qualified best candidate for what you need. If they happen to be in Indiana, have Indiana ties. Great. If not, they'll get Indiana ties very quickly. Yeah. So of the, so I'm going to, I'm going to circle back to the Indiana guy thing, just because I think some of these candidates are worth, we don't need to get into a ton of detail on these. So Dane Fife is one that's come up. I think that one, is pretty difficult for a number of reasons. Uh, Kent Sterling put something out and basically said, you don't hire the guy that could potentially replace you, which I think is an interesting perspective. I also think Fife, by all accounts, seems to be being groomed in some capacity to take over for Tom Izzo. So I think that's extremely happy there. Fairly tough to walk away from. Uh, The Michael Lewis thing would be interesting because he's used to the Big Ten from being at Nebraska, knows IU, knows Indiana, just took a job on the UCLA staff. That seems like you probably wouldn't walk away from that, but we've, we've, definitely seen uh, coaches you know turn away from a new job pretty quickly uh, AJ Guyton's another one I think he's at Loyola of Maryland uh, right now maybe his second year there uh, first or second year those are thrown out Calbert Chaney who I think has been out of coaching for a couple years uh, obviously Jared and I would be incredibly happy about that yeah a little too happy so, saw Greg Graham thrown out based on some comments that he made when Alex and Jared interviewed him on podcast on the brink he's out in rhode island i believe at a high school or a prep school there basically uh, every iu player who can yeah just go down a roster has, has ever shot go down a roster yes that's correct because um, jordan holes jordan holes is still in the middle of his playing career guys he's not going to coach he's tearing it up he's tearing it up over there i mean i think eventually jordan holes will be a coach i mean yeah. it's family yeah. and 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 he's he'd be a great candidate but yeah he's he's still playing guys so let's not let's not retire him before he's ready yeah. So do any of those, any of those guys that fall under the, the umbrella of IU guy stand out to you as, as even a, a reasonable chance to, to be on based on their different circumstances? Ryan, I'll go to you first. On that. Well, I mean, Michael Lewis would be one. I mean, if he hasn't really moved out and gotten involved at UCLA yet, uh, I mean, I know he's obviously out there, but I mean, if he hasn't gotten fully, you know, uh, attached to that program, yeah, sure. Maybe you give him a call. Uh, but again, you know, we can go through all these guys. I, I just get the feeling that Archie knows who he's going to go for and know who knows who he wants. And I don't think it's going to take a long time. I think this is something that he's telegraphed for a long time to himself and, and figured this out. And uh, I, I just don't think he fires and, and lets Schilling go now unless there's a plan in place or at least, you know, a plan that he thinks he can execute. And, and it just it wouldn't make sense to do it now. Uh, unless, you know, we saw a lot of offers go out recently. Maybe he thinks he can recruit without him. And, and that was the, you know, just sort of the thing. It's like with all these offers and with, with all the interest they're getting, maybe he's not that important to the staff. So I, 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 I have a tough time feeling like Archie doesn't already know who he wants and know what he wants to get. Uh, but even if he, if he doesn't, yeah, sure. Michael Lewis is a guy who makes sense. Dane Fife does not. Dane Fife, quite frankly, is a Hoosier. I, I, I think, he should stay there because it's a great position for him. And, and I want to see him succeed uh, coming to Indiana. I, I'm not talking about this in a program way, but he's basically being groomed as a coach and waiting. He comes to IU. He's going to be working for the guy who most people expect to be here for a long time. So it feels like a step back um, as far as his position on the, um, you know, on the coaching staff, he would just be one of the guys as opposed to the guy who's eventually going to take over. Um and, and yeah, Calvert's been out of coaching for a while, I believe. I think you're right on that. A.J. Guyton doesn't really seem like he's moved uh, moved up very quickly. Um, you know, he, he should probably handle a job at a, at a big college before he uh, is is ready for IU, uh, you know, unless you just interview him and he blows you away. And, and we've interviewed him before, and he's a great guy, but is he a guy who's going to move the needle uh, with kids in this state? So I, I, I don't know. Um, it, but I, I, again, I have a hard time believing that Archie didn't have this all planned out and have his next move ready. Yeah. All right, Michael, I'll give you the last word on this. Any of those names stand out to you? Any other names that you've kind of heard scouring the, uh, the interwebs for different ideas? I think everybody's been brought up. We had a question uh, that jokingly, and it was, I did get a good laugh out of it, suggest Brad Stevens. So, <laughs> so. I mean, you'll have to imagine he's getting the call, right? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, he hasn't said no. You got to make him say no, right? <laughs> 
That's exactly right. Um, no, there's, there's no one that jumps off the page. Uh, and no, I, I want to just quickly echo Ryan's point. If there's no plan for who Archie is going to get, there is at least a plan of attack. And if there's not a plan of attack for the kind of guy or names of guys he's going to get, uh, then there are probably bigger fish to fry and bigger issues there. But no, there's, there's very probably someone or a couple of people he has in mind that fill is going to fill a role that he is very well aware needs to be filled. So I, I have no idea who that's going to be, um, but I, I have a very strong gut feeling that Archie Miller does. And quite frankly, this might surprise people, but in this position, his opinion is a little more important than mine. So um, I, I trust he'll make the best possible decision, of course. All right. Well, we'll see. And uh, like I said, I, I, like you guys have said, I think for a variety of reasons, it feels like the news will come quickly about who it is, um, both from a does he have a good idea before this actually happens, who he's going to get, and also from a where we are in the recruiting calendar standpoint, I think it becomes relatively important to get somebody in place quickly. So uh, who knows, may have news on that as early as next week's show to talk about and, uh, and we'll see what happens from there. But coming up on the assembly call, we're going to talk a little bit about some recruiting news that we saw over the past week. And we'll talk a, a bit more post-draft reaction about Romeo and Juwan uh, with Ryan and Michael. So that's next year on the assembly call. Stick with us. And welcome back to the Assembly Call. You can find all of our content at our website, assemblycall.com. And if you ever want to participate in our unedited live broadcasts or watch those replays, then check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash assemblycall. I'm Andy Bottoms here with Ryan Phillips and Michael Dugan. And wanted to touch on uh, the less heralded news of the week from an IU perspective, and that is on the recruiting front. A handful of scholarship offers went out. We'll start with one that may or may not have gone out, depending upon... Uh, what you read or who you believe, but there was uh, some some news. Austin Van Zyl, I'm going to assume is how that said, could be Van Zyl, um, basically tweeted out on Wednesday that an offer was made. Uh, there have been some reports since then that that is not actually the case, so I'll leave everybody to figure out what's true and not true, but um, just some, some news on him. I read this, I think, on the Daily Hoosier, and I thought I had uh, I had pulled this in here, but I apparently did not. Um, so he's 20 year old. Um, I think was part of the class of 2017. I want to say uh, he's played the last two seasons overseas uh, for in France's first division. Uh, and so in 2017-18, he averaged 5.7 points, 2.3 rebounds, 2.1 assists. Uh, did not shoot the ball particularly well. Shot under 30 percent overall the past season. Uh, points uh, rose a little bit over to over six a game. Rebounds was four assists, 2.8. Again, shot the ball really poorly there was some mention that it was attributed to uh to injury i don't know if that's uh if that's true or not but i'll uh, it's a good time to weave in this question from nick banister he's actually the one who asked if brad stevens was the heavy favorite to replace ed Schilling. duh yeah obviously um but it's your first his, call right his question was would adding austin vanzil make the team that much better or will it just lead to a scholarship being used up that could have been filled by a 2020 or 2021 recruit ryan what are your thoughts on well if if vanzil comes in as a guy who's going to play for one year or something like that and clearly he's already played professionally i know that he's maintained his his eligibility by playing in france but if he just came in and wanted to do a year of college basketball or something, he's from new york i know that um I, I think that uh, it'd be fine, but if he's coming in to take a four-year scholarship, yeah, no, I, I'm not, I'm not down with that because it doesn't look like he has the ability. I mean, his only offer is from Marshall. You know, this isn't a guy who, who is maybe the numbers don't tell the whole story because he's playing professional basketball and all this. This is, a, I mean, teams have seen this guy and they're not exactly throwing offers at him. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm not too high on it uh, unless they're really worried about having another ball handler. Uh, he's not a guy who's going to shoot the ball particularly well. It doesn't look like maybe there is an injury there we don't know about. But um, again, if this guy were real good, he'd have more offers because his name's been out there for a while. I've heard people talking about him since the season ended about IU and some other schools kind of poking around with him. Um, but yeah, I, I just don't think, I think that teams have watched tape on him and they're not that impressed and they're not offering. And um, you know, I, I just think if he's going to take a four year scholarship, then 
I, that's that's not something I'm willing to do. If it's if it's one that's going to be open in a year, and there's no harm in filling that scholarship for a year, uh, one of those open ones for a year, and then open next year. Um, so yeah, I would I would say no if it's going to be a long term thing. If it was going to be a one year thing, sure, why not? Uh, I don't think it can hurt. But again, depends how long he's going to be here. Yeah, it was kind of odd. I did hear his name feels like a month or so ago, and then it kind of dropped off, and then this resurfaced this week. Um, certainly want to make sure he maintains his eligibility. We don't need another uh, Guy Mark Michelle situation on our hands by any stretch of the imagination. But uh, Michael, anything to add on the guys playing in France, man? Just, <laughs> anything to add on the potential of using a scholarship on him? Do you think he's really somebody who could help this year's team, or is it better to bank the scholarship and uh, see what's uh, in the years to come? I mean, there's nothing really in terms of the statistics, which obviously that doesn't tell the whole story that jump out at you. Uh, Not a very efficient shooter, not a great three point shooter, two things that I think Indiana really needs. Uh, I mean, he does bring, like you said, he's been playing professionally, so he does bring some experience to the table. Um, and it's a body that's filling a scholarship that, you know, who knows what, what else would be going at that scholarship, at least for this upcoming season. But in terms of the long run, I, I haven't seen anything in my in my research of this guy that has really jumped out to me to suggest, oh yeah, he can really help this team, you know, grow in this aspect or something. So, you know, short term, one year, I, I guess, sure, why not? But I, I don't really see anything right now that would suggest he would be um, likely likely to be very beneficial to the team in the long run. I could be wrong, but I, th- there's nothing that would suggest that up to this point. Yep, I would agree. Uh, the other scholarship offers that went out this week, there were two uh, in the 2020 class, Jalen Bridges, uh, 6'7", small forward from West Virginia, who's ranked 81st in the uh, 24-7 composite, and Jamin Brakefield, who's ranked 33rd in the 24-7 composite. He's a 6'8", power, listed as a power forward at Huntington Prep. Uh, he's a guy, they had a, a scouting report on 24-7 from Jerry Meyer, uh, talked about solid size for for him. Uh, as a forward smooth athlete there was definitely some questions about his motor um good rebounder and defender when playing with passion so um but but a guy who seems like he has some good upside and then in the 2021 class uh trey patterson who's ranked 26th uh, he's a 6'7 small forward from new jersey if you're starting to see a pattern here in terms of the size and position of these guys it's because there is one i think archie likes six seven forwards with versatility. Well, I tell you, it's interesting because that's the kind of guy who, if you look down this year's roster, there's not a whole lot of if Jerome Hunter's not uh, not healthy. So it's it's clearly a... Not for lack of trying, though. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, but it talked about Trey Patterson, uh, ranked as high as he is nationally because of his versatility and college-ready basketball body. This is from Eric Watkins of uh, 24-7. Uh, good strength to the stage and the frame to add more. Good ball handler and passer. Uh, can knock down a three-point shot or use the size to get to the... Uh, you know, mid-range or or get to the rim. Um, so sounds like an interesting guy there. He's from New Jersey. And uh, Bryce Hopkins is the other one, a 6'7 small forward from Illinois. Uh, again, versatile, seems like decent size, came from the same AAU program as Juwan. Um, I couldn't find where he was ranked specifically, so I'm assuming he's a little bit further down uh, in their rankings. But uh, other than the the fact that so many of them are playing are the same, roughly the same size, Anything to take away from any of those offers that stand out to, to you, Ryan? I'll let you go first. Apparently, it was the week to offer small forwards, I guess. Um, that you know, but you're looking at it, and it looks like they're they're looking for versatile athletes on the wing, and and that makes sense with what this team doesn't have right now, uh, as you said, with Jerome Hunter's future up in the air and, and a big question mark. Uh, Romeo's gone. He was a six six wing who could get you, you know. Uh, points in the paint, get uh, hit a three occasionally when, it's, when he was healthy. But you know, it fits that kind of mold of a guy who can come off the come off the wing and score for you. Um, and that seems like what all these guys are, and and that they're all vers- versatile. Um, you know, in the Troy Williams, uh, you know, Jerome Hunter sort of mold of just a guy who's a big wing who can score going to the basket and needs to work on his shot. And and I think. Uh, that's just what this team needs. It's, it's what they're missing in the pipeline really. Uh, and, and I think we're going to see them go after that kind of guy this year. They've got guys up front. And so I think that they're going to really need to build out the wings and the guard spots moving forward. Michael, anything stand out to you uh, about any of those guys in particular, or, or just the kind of guy that I use offering at this point? Uh, well, I think all these guys cumulatively at least kind of check basically every single box you can for for an athletic wing that you would like to play on a Big Ten roster. Um, 
I, I liked what I saw from Jalen Bridges. Um, obviously, these guys are still a year away. Some of these guys, the other guys like like Patterson and Hopkins are two years away. Um, I liked what I saw on Jalen Bridges. Jalen Bridges, excuse me. Um, his shot wasn't the prettiest thing I've ever seen, um, but he shot at a pretty decent clip. He looks athletic. He looks like he's got a frame that could really easily fill out. Um, so, I, I mean, I liked what I saw on him, and I have to give a quick shout-out to the local kid, Bryce Hopkins, Fenwick High School went to the same high school as Corey Maggette, if you guys want to look anything into that at all. Um, so there's that. Is there's Corey Maggette, highly players. underrated NBA player, Corey Maggette. Yeah, Justin. absolutely. I think the name on the front of the jersey when he played for them kind of hindered that a little bit with the Clippers. But um, no, I, I think these are all fairly prototypical wings in their own way. Um, and I, I think at this point, the way the roster looks for Indiana, any of them would, would – would be a nice addition. Obviously this is again, another year away, but uh, there's nothing, you know, nothing that you guys haven't said. No. Yeah. Definitely. If you spin forward and look from a roster composition standpoint, you would, you know, feel like even looking into next year, you'd have still have Al Rob and uh, Armand in the backcourt and you've got, you know, you maybe good, need one more guard. Yeah. yeah more of a a stable of front court guys as well. So yeah, that does feel like the uh, wing scorers, kind of, wing shooters. Yeah, is really the hole, and maybe get uh, another pure guard who can who can knock down a shot too. I mean, I think that that's really what you're looking to fill out there. Uh, the front court looks set. Is I think most people feel Trace Jackson Davis is going to be there for a while. Ray Thompson is going to be there for a while. You got Joey Brunk for two years. I mean, they're, they're the front court guys are going to be there. So it's about developing them, getting them better, and it's about getting them help. And, and I think that you know the wings are a great spot to to look for some scoring help. Yep. All right. Well, let's talk. I uh, wanted to talk a little bit of post-draft thoughts. Uh, you guys were, were not here with uh, with Jared, Coach, and I last week. So wanted to, you know, we got some pretty immediate reaction as Romeo got picked right before we got started. Um, but now we're a, a week removed from that. So let's talk Romeo first. And I did want to hit on Juwan. So Ryan, uh, you know, any thoughts on Romeo going to the Celtics? Uh, anything that's kind of come out this week after they picked him, the way he's, uh, you know, what he said, any, any, Anything there really stand out to you? I think Bill Simmons is an idiot. Um, other than that, uh, for saying that he's going to be their D League starting combo guard, no, uh, or G League starting combo guard. Sorry, uh, no. I I think it's a good fit for him. There's a lot of talent on that team. A lot of young talent. Looks like after the reports today, they're going to get Kemba Walker too, who's a guy that Romeo could really learn from. Um, you know, he'll he'll have to battle for playing time. There's a lot of wings on that team, guards and forwards, from Jalen Brown to uh, Gordon Hayward, Terry Rozier, if they bring him back, Marcus Smart. Uh, you know, there's a lot of competition there for 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 playing time. Uh, Tatum, you could even throw in that mix as sort of a, a two three. Uh, but I think that he's a guy who can find playing time there. And, and I think that Brad Stevens didn't draft him. Uh, you know, he's certainly in the draft room and he didn't, he knows what he's getting. He knows Indiana and he knows uh, Romeo Lankford and, and there's no way that he didn't know what he was getting in Romeo. And I think that one good part about him going to a deep roster is maybe he can come along slowly and let that hand heal and, and, you know, ease his way back in. But I think it's a great fit for Romeo long-term. I think that he enjoys the spotlight. I think Boston's going to give him a vibe that same kind of vibe he got in Indiana uh, when you make a big play and, and same kind of fans, same kind of, um, you know, spotlight that I think he liked, uh, but he's going to be able to ease his way in. And, and I think that that's because their roster is certainly stocked with young players. Will he play some in the G league? Probably. Uh, but I don't think he's going to be a guy who's spending his whole whole season down there. I think they're going to be very excited when they get him out there, when he's healthy. Uh, I think he's going to be exactly what they want. And by the way, we've seen, Romeo work really well within a system with teammates. Brad Stevens is going to put him in a position to succeed. So I, I really think it's a great fit for him. Michael, what about you? And what were your immediate thoughts after seeing him get drafted by the Celtics? I thought it was a great fit. I, I look, they did it. They did their homework on him, and they he, they didn't pick him by accident. And he's not going to directly contribute in a major way right away. They've obviously got guys like Ryan named Tatum and Brown. Um, that have solidified roles in that rotation. And this roster, at least for Boston, probably is going to see a lot of changing around this offseason, which is about to get crazy across. It's going to be really interesting to see what Boston... Boston's one of the teams to watch because Horford's yeah. leaving, Kyrie's leaving. It, there's going to be a huge gap there. They're getting. It looks like they're getting Kemba Walker. That's not obviously set in stone, but they look like the favorites to get Kemba Walker. 
do you, are they going to make other moves there? Are they going to keep those other young guys with Campbell Walker? If they make other moves, they send away a Jalen Brown or someone like that. That leaves a spot open for Romeo. Absolutely. Yeah. That roster is at the very least going to see some shakeup. It might be flipped upside down by the time October, November comes around. We don't know. Regardless, I, I don't, I don't think Romeo is going to directly contribute in November and December in a major way. But in the long term, I think this was definitely a long term. What is his ceiling type of pick? Can they get a lot out of him over the next five, six, seven years? And the answer is absolutely. I mean, this is a 19 year old kid who's going into uh, going on to a team that has a great history with developing guards and developing guys and getting the most out of every player at every role, one through eight, one through nine in that rotation. So I think if you're Romeo Langford, I don't, I don't really know how realistically you could have gone into a better position that had a better blend of potential for the future, ability to contribute right now, but in a limited way, and also not have these enormous expectations kind of dropped on your chest, you know, pretty much the day you walk into that facility, like on the Magic or the Bulls or the right. Knicks or something like that. Well, so I think one, it's as good a fit as you're going to get. I thought my favorite fit for him was the Pacers because I thought that he and Oladipo playing in the backcourt together, the Pacers kind of need a wing right now uh, with, with the way things are shaping up for them. And, and you know, but again, I think it might have been bad for him to have those expectations like he did at IU. Maybe it's time for him to go and just focus on development and not focus on being, you know, the center of attention uh, for a while because, you know, maybe that'll be better for him. And then, hey, when his contract's up in a few years, maybe he comes back to Indiana. You know, maybe he is that guy that can do that. Uh, certainly worked for Oladipo that way. And and I would, I think everybody would love to see him playing for the Pacers. But uh, good for him getting drafted in the lottery. I think that there was a lot of question about that. I had heard, you know, people were, were marking him maybe 20th between, you know, 16 and 20. I had heard some teams in the, in the 11 to 14 range were interested in him. I did not know where he would go. And the Celtics with one of their dozen picks, it felt like wound up taking him. And uh, uh, I think it's a great fit and I think it'll be great for his development. All right, so I wanted to touch on Juwan as well. He did not get drafted, which was not really a, a surprise to anybody, but did sign a contract with uh, the Jazz. I believe the contract is just to play in the Summer League uh, for them. So, again, I, I preface this in the in the break that uh, it's almost impossible that you guys know less about uh, NBA rosters than I do, and who's particularly the Jazz. Um, so, so, Ryan, what's the potential fit for him and kind of a, a maybe a best case scenario for him coming out of, of summer league and how he might fit in with guys that they, they currently have knowing that like any other team, there's some fluctuation there with free agency getting ready. Yeah, to it's, it's really hard to know with where their roster is right now. It's in flux, just like everybody else's all, all the big ones. And uh, you know, this is a team that, that just acquired Mike Conley that could really compete for a, uh, that could compete for uh, the Western conference. I don't think they'll win it. I think a lot of people went overboard when, when Conley showed up there and all of a sudden they're, they're thinking, Oh, these guys are going to be a, a contender for the championship. I don't think it's that far, but I think it's a solid team. And what the key for Morgan isn't looking forward, isn't looking how he fits in the roster. He's trying to get on the G league roster, maybe get a two way contract where he can come up and down. He needs in summer league needs to show that he can shoot the basketball. That is the big key for him because he's undersized for, for a center and for, quite frankly, for a power forward in the NBA right now. He is undersized. He needs to be able to knock down shots. He needs to be able to score off the dribble. And those are things that he showed at IU that he needed to get better at. And, and so we haven't really seen Juwan play since the last game of his senior year. Uh, but you know, I'd assume that's what he's been working overtime on. So I'm definitely going to be watching the summer league. I want to watch and see what he can bring uh, to the table in those aspects. And, and it's going to be really important for him to do that and do that quickly at summer league, because you're looking at, you have to get on the radar immediately. If you want to get one of those, uh, one of those spots and really get into a team's plans moving forward. So um, he's going to have to shoot the basketball. He's going to have to score off the dribble. I think we know that against the competition in the summer league, he could probably be pretty good, but he's got to show some versatility to do his game. Yeah. I think that the roster of, of fours and fives on the jazz is so it, it's very top heavy with favors and Gobert right now, but after that it's pretty random and not especially talented i don't want to come down too hard yeah i mean they got rid of jay crowder they got rid of you yeah. know there have been some guys that have been shipped away in trades i mean they, they, there is room there to develop absolutely uh, and to find a spot 
no, there's, there's that, that's a good way to put it. There's room to develop and find a spot. And if he can come out and knock down shots right away in summer league and impress these guys, these coaches that he deserves a spot. I, I think if, if he can, like Brian said, work on that jump shot, if he can score from under the rim all the way out to 22, 23 feet, you know, that's a guy that I don't really see any issue with thinking, you know, this is a guy that could come off the bench and contribute for an NBA team for, for a handful of minutes in a game. I, he can come in, score a couple points, grab a couple boards, you know, get your starting four, starting five, a breather, and, you know, trot out a body that you can trust to put a couple points up on the scoreboard. I, I think, you know, he's undersized and that's going to be an issue. But if he can show that he can score, I mean, he proved as much as you could as an undersized big man in the Big Ten that he could bang bodies with, you know, Jaron Jackson and and big NBA centers that that were in the Big Ten for a year or two. And he can score on these guys. So I, I might be a little higher on him than others and maybe probably higher than I should be. But I definitely see a path where he can carve his way into being a guy that comes off the bench, contributes a few minutes, scores a couple buckets in a couple games for, for, for an NBA team, becomes that the bottom end rotation guy. I, I see a path. Guys uh, who have contracts currently for next season uh, that he would be competing for roster spots with Georgie Yang, uh, Royce O'Neal, Tony Bradley, um, you know, and then you've got the the small forward, power forward, center combination of Gobert, uh, Derek Favors, and Joe Ingles. So, I mean, those three starters, other than that, it's an empty bench, uh, 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 you know, guys who haven't proven themselves. So he has a chance to get in the mix and, and maybe get in the mix with that G League team and, and prove himself and do what Thomas Bryant did. Go to the G League, prove yourself, and then get a spot on the roster. And if you're not a fit for the Jazz and they wave you and you have shown something, guess what? Somebody else is going to pick you up. Thomas Bryant is now the starting center in Washington, and he's about to get paid in restricted free agency. So the path is always there. The key is to develop. It, develop. Even if you're not doing it at the NBA level now, you can do it at that G League level you know the league they watch those guys because they're cheap and every time one gets waved somebody will be willing to pick up a good one and 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 so that's the path for Juwan right now is to just continue to work on your game and get better well and I think that's a case where you know so often it's said it's feels like a cliche but in this case it's it's true you have you'd almost rather a guy like that not get drafted so he can pick where to go and it sounds like he's picked a spot where he believes he's a good fit and sees those openings that you talked about from a roster standpoint where Again, you're betting on yourself and saying, "Hey, I can prove that I can play at this level and score, uh, you know, defend bigger players, all the things, and shoot the ball, all the things that you guys mentioned." And if it does, he puts himself in a good position to work out. If not, you've gotten a lot of exposure in summer league to a whole bunch of other teams and 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 systems that may figure out a way that they can fit you in. So, in the end, uh, we'll certainly wish him all the best, and he'll be a, you know an intriguing guy to watch for IU fans for sure in the summer league. Coming up in our third segment, we're going to answer your questions, which include one about uh, team chemistry and another about outside shooting, an always popular topic for uh, for IU fans these days. So we'll hit those next. Stick with us here on the Assembly Call. back to the assembly call i'm andy bottoms here with ryan phillips and michael dugan remember you need to be subscribed to our email newsletter we send out a weekly iu news roundup even during the off season and after every game we send out a detailed post-game analysis just text iu to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com that's iu to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com time now for our mailbag all questions were submitted via twitter and our private iu basketball discussion community which you can learn more about at assemblycall.com community so this one comes in from Twitter from Swope Berry. Every convo about IU basketball has the word chemistry in it. What went wrong and how do we know it won't be a problem next season? Michael, I'll kick this one to you first. Oh boy, what went Throwing wrong? Throwing him right I into mean, the fire. I like it. Good. Wow. Well, I don't um, want to I don't want to give Ryan the chance to talk first every time because then <laughs> we only have a certain amount of time left. So I didn't true. want to completely squeeze you out of the conversation entirely. Um what went wrong? I, I don't know. I mean, something I, I would imagine went wrong. I have no idea what it was. Um, and, and I don't even really want to speculate, but something clearly went wrong. And how do we know it's not going to happen next year? I, I Maybe you live and you learn. Maybe you kind of hang your head on that saying. And, and once you go through something, I don't know if it was an on the court thing, an off the court thing, 
multiple things on and off. I don't know. Um, something was clearly not right about halfway through the season. And maybe the guys that are coming back that went through it, you know, kind of live with the, the live and you learn type of thing. And, and yeah, I, I have no idea. The, the, the answer to both questions straight up is I don't know. So. <laughs> All right, Ryan, what about you? You got any answers? Not really. Um, I don't know what happened. Um, I, I think part of it was it was a really young team. Part of it was a lot of people relying on uh, Romeo Langford. And then part of it, I think, was a lot of guys were injured and you're shuffling guys in and out. You're not getting a lot of practice time. I think that had a lot to do with it. And you don't have time in practice to develop that chemistry that maybe you want to see on the, on the court. You saw late in the season, they started to make a run. They started to make adjustments and they started to play much better together. Just kind of ran out of the steam at the end. So, um I don't know. I, I think that that none of us will ever know the real answer, but I think that you know injuries certainly played a huge role in it. Yeah, it's a weird question. In, in the one sense, you know, any player that you've heard interviewed after the season has essentially said there weren't really chemistry issues. There wasn't, you know, some of the things going on that that have been rumored. That feels good, I guess, to hear because at this point, again, after the season, there's not really a lot of incentive to to gloss over what was going on, particularly for guys who are, are no longer with the program. Flip side of that is something is wrong when you're losing that many games in a row. You, you can't kind of say there's not some issue related to that. And then if you want to swing it back the other way and kind of take the optimistic, hopeful stance, you would say, well, they must have figured it out because of the way they played down the stretch at the end of the season. So there's probably a little bit of truth in all of those areas. And I, and I think to the point you guys brought up, hopefully having gone through that uh, will help a little bit. And I, and I think I don't really view this as chemistry, but I do think from an offensive standpoint, not having the crutch of Romeo and Juwan may help things get, be a little bit, uh, help there be a little bit more continuity on that end of the floor instead of standing around to wait for those guys to make plays uh, puts a little bit more pressure on, but I think maybe gets more guys involved. Maybe that improves chemistry. Tough to say. Um, this one comes from Andy Shevsky. Where or who will our outside shooting come from? Ryan, I'll go to you first on this one. Evan Fisner. Oh, wait, he's gone. <laughs> uh, no, uh, I think Al Durham. That's will not be- a well anybody's ready to go back to. I think it's still too soon to uh, even throw that out. Look, Devontae Green shot 41% last year. Al Durham shot 34%. Rob Finnessy, 31 um, I think those three guys are going to shoot better this year. Uh, Demise Anderson is an X factor. He looked pretty awful when he played last year, but he's known as a shooter. Can he develop that? Um, those are the guys I'm going to look for to shoot. Um, I don't know if they will. I'm sorry. I wish I could tell you, you know, better and, and wish I could have a, a great answer for you. I think race Thompson has the ability to shoot from the outside. It's going to all depend on how much of his game he's worked on in the off season. Uh, but he's a guy with a nice release and, and gets good rotation on the ball. So he's a guy who could certainly step out and do it. And then we'll see what Armand Franklin can do. He like Rob Finnessy is a guy who developed and got better at shooting throughout his high school career. So if that trend continues, uh, maybe he's even better this year. Uh, Michael Ryan named roughly half of the players on the IU roster during yep. that. Uh, anybody, uh, anybody stand out to you? The, there certainly can't be anybody you didn't mention that would stand out to you, but any, anybody uh, really stand out that you think is going to take a big step forward from a shooting perspective? Yeah, he covered all the bases. Um, I, I think Devontae, I had Devontae Allen Rob written down. Devontae, I think, is the obvious choice to lead the charge. Um, I, Al had a couple of really good two to three game stretches last year. Uh, I think Ryan just said he, he excuse me Ryan just said he shot 34%. That was a mouthful, um, which is not terrible, not great, not terrible. Um, if that's your best or second best three point shooter, I think you're going to need a couple other guys around there. Um, Rob just over the 30% clip. He's got a really smooth jump shot. As a true freshman last year, I was impressed with the way his shot looked. He had a smooth release, and the shots that fell were beautiful. So. If he can improve upon that and go up a couple percentage points, then that would seriously help. And if Demisi can come off the bench and shoot at an even remotely decent clip, remotely decent, you know, in terms of efficiency clip, that's going to help Indiana a lot. I think his value playing time wise compared to what he can bring to the table and how much that helps this team as a whole next year is it's enormous. I think if he can come off the bench and knock down a couple threes and you're confident in that, that's going to open up this team so much more. And I think it raises their ceiling. All right. We'll go rapid fire. A couple questions here at the end. So Ryan, don't name everybody. Just give me one. 
Uh, Lisa asks, who will be this the team captain this year replacing J-Mo? Deron uh, Davis. Michael, what do you think? Yeah, absolutely, Deron Davis. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go a little bit off the board with Al Durham. I think they've some of the stuff you talked about him being uh, you know, the emotional leader and things like that I think is a good one. Uh, from Jeremy McKenzie, would you rather fight one Greg Oden-sized Isaiah Thomas, this is IU Isaiah Thomas, or 10 Isaiah Thomas-sized Greg Odens? Ryan, uh, go. I'm going to go with one Greg Oden-sized Isaiah Thomas. He's going to get distracted and sexually harass somebody. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I'm not sure how to follow that one up. Uh, I think the one Greg Oden size Isaiah Thomas is probably the obvious choice because the 10 other guys are all going to be taller than me. So I'm at a disadvantage 10 times over again. <laughs> That's fair. There you go. Uh, this one comes intern to intern question here from Seth Tao. I don't know if there's background to this, but he asked what Michael Dugan's favorite old time baseball name is. There is absolutely background. I won't get into it because I think we're short on time, but the answer is easy. It is Bud Weiser who played for the Phillies in 1915. He hit 162. Nice. Budweiser. That's that's Bud probably the most, Budweiser. at least around here in the Midwest, that's probably the most baseball beer I would associate with going to a baseball game is Budweiser. At least it's up there. So, I, you know, I, it's a match made in heaven, if you ask no me. No three-finger brown, huh? I like three-finger brown. Mordecai three-finger brown is up there. He's probably he's on the podium, that's for sure. Yeah. Right. Nice. I'll throw out Chet Lemon just for fun. But uh, nice. with that, that'll do it for this week's edition of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. And you can always subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again next week. Again, potentially Wednesday night. We'll let everybody know. Follow us on Twitter at Assembly Call. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim and go Hoosiers. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com support that lists five ways that you can support The Assembly Call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating, and so many of you have donated, and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate, another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show, we appreciate it. Thank you. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. With the powerful combination of Michelin X1 tires and the Michelin Energy Guard aerodynamic solution on your truck, you can save 17 gallons every 1,000 miles. Go to business.michelinman.com slash fuel saver for details. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California, subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.